Yes, people, how are we all doing? I hope we're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we are joined by professional football at Newcastle United, currently on loan at Plymouth Argyle, and one of my former teammates from back in the day, Mr. Kel Watts, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having us. No worries. It was good to catch up beforehand, and obviously a lot's happened since the last time I've seen you. We're trying to think of the last time that I've I seen you. Obviously, played together at Newcastle. You were a few years younger than me, but before yeah. we dive into your whole story, I want to jump back to kind of the start. Very interested in how people kind of get to the point where they're at today with the success. Obviously, yeah. you've kind of took off, like I said. When did you first, like, how did, how did football kind of, become a thing for you? When did it first start? Um, it was probably, obviously, I was living in Seals's when I was a kid. Um, so my family moved moved up there just to, like, want a bit of a quieter life. Um, and it was obviously, like, living right by the beach and everything. And I think it was just, it was just my brother and my dad, to be honest. So I would just go to the field and, because obviously, yeah, in Seals, there's not actually much to do. There's no big shopping centres or, like, anything. So, yeah, just playing football with, my brother on the field playing like crossbars with my dad and then it just got to the point where I just got obsessed with just playing football where like before school I'd just be like saying my dad oh come go in the school yard for half an hour like an hour before school started and then just always wanted to play football yeah yeah I was say when you mentioned about that like going to the school yard 30 minutes early I looked at one of your you've done an interview in your castle and stuff and I, I know yeah. I know you obviously pretty well from coming through and seeing you you played with my brother a little bit when you were younger as well so I know yeah. the type of personality you are and you were always at training early like you talked about it in yeah. like interviews and stuff you were like you could train two hours early and stuff like that was that something that was was kind of brought into you from your from your family or your dad or anything or was it just something that because you enjoyed it so much you wanted to you just wanted to do it yeah I think like because when you were a kid like you you don't get tired do you? you don't really get like nah. a tight hamstring the next day after <laughs> you've been training too much and all that so yeah I would just um obviously it well it started off because when I lived in Seals's I was traveling in Newcastle so my dad would you know take us in but like to miss all the traffic and everything would would get there about just like four o'clock now he's just after four for train at six and I would just bring a ball and just kicking the goal, get a bath, like, you know, you just keep doing it and doing it. And then even when I moved down to New, uh, down to Newcastle, it was still like, well, I want to keep, yeah, can I keep going at four o'clock? So I can keep, like, yeah. and yeah, it's gotten a routine from when I was a kid and then it always just seemed to stick. And I think, yeah, like, I think it's just as well, like, even for everything, isn't it? Like, just punch out, you just, like, sort of mm-hmm. being put in me or, like, just, like, even for, like, now, like, in meetings and, going out of training like always just to be trying to just be the first and out there and yeah that's what it is, yeah I, I like that always turning up what, what's the old, I think it was a Bobby Robson saying it was like always be 15 minutes early not a minute late or something like that so yeah yeah getting those yeah. habits instilled in, it's kind of it almost become your automatic norm from a, like a young age obviously being yeah. so early to everything getting there and setting them good habits from a young age obviously you probably just carry them on, on now with your meetings and stuff like that that you, yeah. you were talking about so I think like as well like when you're a kid as well like a technical side of your game if you the more more hours say I remember I trained as someone else my age would have been 
ridiculous. If you think like maybe you train three, four times a week, I was training like two extra hours, like a day. So like that's eight hours. And obviously you can go like, well, what's that month? That's like, you know, 32 and then over a year. So I think it just uh, helps massively. Yeah, I love Getting that. So, yeah, days, days would have been quite long then. When you, when you were young, obviously quite a bit of travelling and stuff. Uh, yeah. Like, did, you, did it ever get like, was it actually kind of tough at any point for you for like, especially when you were younger kind of before you turned full time was there any yeah. times where you're like god this is actually quite tiring and stuff or was it just literally just like you said before you were quite young you had a lot of energy was it just something yeah. you didn't even think about too much yeah i think it's you know this is probably one of the biggest points that keeps us going and keeps us motivated because so when we first lived in houses you know i've got a brother i've got a sister and then when I got scouted for Newcastle, because I was playing for Cramlington, so like, because I was playing for my school team and playing for Seahouses and like, you know, against like Waller and Berwick. And then, you know, like, my dad was like wanting to take us to somewhere I could be seen more on like a bigger stage sort of thing. So like going to like a big boys club like Cramlington. And then obviously when Newcastle scouted me, it was like travelling in every day, like, you know, like an hour into training and then, eventually like all my family moved decided to move back to Newcastle so it was one of them things where obviously I'm like I was eight at the time my sister was 11 and my brother was would have been about 16 17 so we all had to move back to Newcastle even though my mum and dad wanted to probably spend the rest of their lives in like just a nice quiet peaceful place had to move back to Newcastle just for me but when I was eight I was oblivious I was just thinking oh brilliant because I'm close at training so, like, that's what I thought at that time. Um, but for the first three months, because it was a new build, we are getting to Newcastle. Um, we sold the house in the houses. They moved in. And we're basically, like, the house wasn't ready yet. So, and it was too expensive to sort of rent a house in Newcastle. It was much cheaper to rent in the houses. So we had to rent somewhere in the houses. But I started school in Pontealand with my sister. So you imagine I'm living in houses. I'm now at a school in Pontealand and I'm training in Newcastle. So it was like leaving at half seven in the morning. My dad would take me and my sister in. And, you know, my brother moved in with with his mate's grandma because he had to be close to college and stuff. So like all these people are making sacrifices for me, but I had no, no idea really at the time. So I was only eight. So my dad would leave at half seven, take me and my sister to school go to school in Pontealand and then it would be too much for him to drive back. Do you know what I mean? Like all the way back to see I was like another hour and then come back for it in the day. So you'd, you know, wait around, do God knows what through the day. And then at four o'clock, yeah, like when school comes at half three, I'd get a train at four. Then my sister would come with me and then, yeah, I would do two hours of training. She would do her homework and then I'd train six to eight and then I'd be getting back to see I was at like quarter past nine. That was like, four times a week. So like that was for three months. That was like for September, October, November, and we moved in with December. So I think like them sacrifices everyone else has made, like my brother and my sister, my dad and my mom, that was all for me. But obviously I was sort of like I've touched on oblivious to it. So mm-hmm. the biggest reason for me to wake up and go on a train and give 200% is 
I've got to repair them in some way. So mm-hmm. that's it. Really. No, I love that. You, you, what were you, eight years old when that was kind of happening, did you say? Yeah, eight, yeah. That's then, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because like, you don't realise like, the stuff that your parents, even for myself, like, because obviously I was living quite, not as far away as Seahouse, but I was living a little bit out of the way. Like your parents would drive you to training yeah. four or five days a week, travel yeah. to a weekend. You don't realise it until you're a bit older, but especially to do it at such a young age, your family must have had so much belief in you. That must yeah. have just like, pushed you on that kind of extra mile and probably give you that a bit of confidence in yourself like you probably didn't realize like i said until a certain age what your family were doing but for them to have yeah. that belief which we'll touch on later because i know your dad had there's a few quotes that you mentioned in that interview with yeah, um, yeah. maybe with tom but um some of the things that your dad said like that must have inspired you so much to obviously keep on pushing and like you said give that 200 percent. yeah like you basically just said it there like them all moving down, it was like ultimately want to sacrifice for two, like mm-hmm. showing that, you know, they think they're doing it not because like, oh, like you know, because ultimately I could have got released within a year, like on, at the end of the nines or in the tens or elevens. So then to, like you say, show that belief in, you know, everyone moved down um, down for me then, yeah. It you know, obviously give us that confidence to, to yeah. keep going and keep getting the next because obviously it was only like one year contracts going mm-hmm. up through the academy and just keep going mm-hmm. when do, when do you think obviously when you're a young lad you always think you're going to be a professional football you don't really think anything different especially when yeah. you're in like a setup in Newcastle you're like oh yeah I'm going to be the first team but when do you think was the point where you had actually clicked in your head like right I'm, this is like actually like I think like this is going to go somewhere sort of thing was there a certain point or anything yeah. or was it just something that like, you always always thought Um, it was I think it was something that you always thought because you've got to always believe that, you know, when people say when you start on the nines, like one or two percent of the players will actually have a career in the game. Well, like, you may as well be that one or two percent. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to keep training, like, do everything to be that one or two percent. Um, so I think always believing, but then I think maybe, I think your scholarship's the first taste of it when you, you know you finish school and then you get that two-year scholarship. That's like, oh, hold on a second, I'm getting like, you know, like a couple hundred quid a week to do this now. Like, you know, you get your first money and you, you like, you start driving and you sort of start thinking like, look, I'm sure I should be like giving everything. Yeah, I'm like, got me scholarship in Newcastle and it's like a massive thing. And then when you're doing them two years, all you can think about is I'm a year or two away from potentially getting a professional contract and like being a you know professional footballer but then even then in my eyes like getting that first professional contract was not like right you've, you've done it now like you're professional for Newcastle because you're still a, a long way away so I think yeah probably always believing that it was going to happen but then probably when I got offered my scholarship I was like like yeah it was a big moment there Mm-hmm. yeah I can tell one thing though in terms of like you're talking about like even when you got your first personal contract which is a big thing especially being at a Premier League club for, for whatever like yeah. obviously you end up getting a lot of money and there's a lot of things that come come with it but you seem to be very humble with it like every little experience obviously you mentioned about your family sacrificing a lot of, a lot of things you seem to be very humble with it like even when you got your contract you weren't like oh this is me making it like I'm still got a long long way to go here where do you think that come from do you think it was from something that your family kind of instilled in you or was it just something that you always kind of had in your head that you were always quite grounded with things? Yeah, I think, you know, like 
my mum and dad just like working class, just you know, normal people and just made us grow up with them mm-hmm. just manners and just being polite and just, you know, if you work hard and you're a nice person, just good things just happen. Mm-hmm. Happen to you and happen to others, you know, sort of things. So I think it's just yeah, I think it's just that really like probably just the way you brought up and just having that family and support and network. It's almost like just being home with everything because there's always people better off than there's always people in worse situations. So yeah. yeah, yeah, having it, having that good family support network is massive, especially yeah. like a lot of people who I've talked to who are successful, they always have that family network. Like, for example, like Sean and Matty, their family network in terms is very, very strong, and that's yeah. obviously helped them push. Like, they, they come from like a successful sporting ground, like sporting yeah. family as well. So, having yeah. that network will definitely massively push you on. So, we'll jump into obviously how it obviously we talked about how important your family is, but more specifically, your dad. I know. Obviously, there's been some tough times for your family in terms of your dad battling yeah. cancer a number of times. So it was, I didn't realise actually that he battled cancer previously before you were even born. Yeah. As well, which did, I didn't yeah. realise, which must have been, yeah. must have been so really the, tough. Yeah, that was obviously, you know, I wasn't born there, but me, me oldest brother was, um, and that was that was terminal as well. So that was a, he had throat cancer and he, he got given two or four weeks to live. Do you know, like, you know what I mean? Like the doctor, she said, you've got two or four weeks, there's nothing really much we can do. And then, yeah, there was like, after like a couple of weeks, they said, we can do this operate, like an operation on you, but there's like a five, 10% chance that you'll actually come out of theatre. And he just said, well, five to 10%, like, brilliant. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, yeah. That's the way he looked at it. Like, you didn't look at it 90% chance I'm not. You just looked at it as like five to 10% chance I will. And then, you had the operation and then obviously after like a long road back to recovery because it was a bit of his throat like and he had to sort of learn how to speak and you know eat again because like a bit of his tongue's like not fully there and stuff so the first time was tough and then obviously the second time I was 13 or 14 going into high school and, and my sister was doing her GCSEs as well so I always because obviously I've done my GCSEs and I know it's, it is a uh, Obviously, it's maybe not as hard as A-levels and all that because I haven't quite done them. But, um, like, she was going through her GCSEs, but, like, the school were brilliant with her, like, Pontiel and, like, giving her extra time and, you know, handing in things or even, like, in her exams, she got, like, extra time just because it was, like, right at that moment when she was doing, going through it all. Um, but then for me as well, like, Newcastle as well, like, Joe Joyce, remember, like, Jimmy Nelson, George Scott, like, because obviously my mum would work. And if I could never get the training, they were always first, like, picking me up from my house, taking us in, dropping us back, uh, just making sure everything was good and stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't ask anything more from them as well. But yeah. it, was, it was a tough, tough, um, tough period, yeah. Yeah, because for you, well, specifically you and your sister, that, they're tough periods of your life also. Like GCSEs, there's a lot of stress on you and stuff to kind of do well, to kind of get a good education down the line. And for yourself, 14 years old, that's around that time where scholarships might start getting given. You're thinking about, right, this is this is where yeah. I'm going to have to try and get my head down. Like when you're a little bit younger, yes, you're in an academy settlement, serious, but you can kind of enjoy your game. When you get to that 14, yeah. 15, 16, it's like, well, the pressure's on a bit. And then getting that thrown on top of you as well must have been like a just I don't know, really really tough to deal with and fair play to you for for dealing with it yeah was there any was there any moments that really 
can you remember that kind of you you were struggling quite a bit at that age or not? Um, I think like it, it was it was mental because when all this was going on, I had no idea. It was literally just one day. It was just you know me me mom said, "Oh, I'm going to pick you up from school today," which was like so. See, my mom and my dad would all was already retired before this, so and my mom saying, "I'm going to pick you up from school," it was a bit like, "Oh, where's dad?" Didn't even know he was going into the hospital that day. Um, so I was like, oh, why, why isn't Dan? No, I'll just, I'll just pick you up. So I didn't think anything of it. And then um, me brother rang me, my brother went to the hospital with my dad because he was, obviously I was 14 um, and he's nine years older than me. So he was like 23. Um, so he said, oh, just, you know, come to the hospital. And I was like, oh, why? Like, sort of why? And I was 14, you know, I'm a bit more clued on and stuff. But so oh, why is dad there? Because I had no... Nothing the days prior or weeks or months, um, and he said, "I'll oh, just just be as quick as you can," sort of thing. And then yeah, me me dad told me in the car, like all the families in the car, my sister, me, mum, brother, and he was the strongest one there. Like you know what I mean? Like it was mental. He's the one going through, but he was the one making sure everyone else was going by the day. And I remember because I got told it was like a Tuesday. It was on a Tuesday. And I had training that that night. And, you know, my mom said, oh, like, you, you know, you don't need to go in. And my dad said, no, you do. And he said, you need to go in and keep keep going. So I went to train that night, and, you know, George always came down and seen us and everything. But, yeah, he was the one keep pushing us. I, I don't know how yeah. he does it, to be honest. I love that. I love that. I love his attitude in terms of, like, like saying, like, when he first had that operation before obviously you were born about he had that five percent he was like great i've got five percent that's five percent yeah. chance like that positive mindset of like right i've still got the chance of that and obviously there's things down the line which you talk about about his mindset kind of i can see because you're a very positive person you're always a happy kind of yeah. guy and it's obviously oh, passed yeah. over to you a lot mate it's never i've never seen you be negative or anything like that which is why i'm trying to like get into it, like trying to ask like was there any moments where you were really struggling because when you see these people yeah. on the outside and they're always positive and stuff like that like that's great i love i love positive people to build everybody up but there's good there might be times where in reality like you're not feeling that all the time but obviously your dad's attitude to things like he was he was always the one he was building everyone up, even when he was struggling and he was saying yes kelly you need to go to training that's a guy yeah. he's got that belief in you sort of thing so it's so good but like was there really any times where you debated even like quitting football or it was getting yeah. too much or was it just like look my dad's saying you need to go and do it so I'm going to go and do it for him sort of thing yeah I think um, it, it was funny to be fair because you mentioned that and it was actually prior to the second time me dad getting cancer I was about under 13s and the 14s and obviously I'm you know 6 foot 3 now but obviously you know to get that to get to 6 foot 3 you've got a bit of growing as you and it was like 13, 14, I was growing a lot, sort of like not growing at my body, you know, I was like bambi on ice and I would, I'd be injured for six weeks with my hip flexor, come back to training, train a few weeks and then like my hip flexor, I'd kick a ball and just have the worst pain and like just, you know, just from growing, I was basically just growing at my body and uh, I sort of, you know, I was always, I was got in the academy at an early age so I, you know, I must have been doing something right. And I got about probably 13, 14, and I was like just injured and playing, but not really that, you know what I mean? Not getting to say, mm -hmm. there was like tournaments where I maybe didn't go to and stuff, you know, like all age groups and people my age were. And it was just purely because like, 
in that period I wasn't my best just because I was grown. And I just remember like, because of that, you know, all these things happening when you're that age, it's easy to not look at the positives in situations and stuff. Um, and yeah, it was like probably like six months before the second time he died of cancer. I said like, I, I, I don't want to play football anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I said that and I was, uh, I remember I got the, I literally, it wasn't just like a thought and, you know, that, that was this. It was like, mum and dad were like, are you, you know, are you sure anything? I was like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't enjoy it because I'm just getting like injured and I can't like run properly and that because when I, I'm just going, I'm coming back to fitness and I'm just getting injured. So, um, like I rang Newcastle and said like, oh, I don't sort of, I don't want to come in sort of thing. And I remember it was uh, Jimmy Nelson came round to my house and said, if there's anything we can do, like, sort of thing. And then I don't know what it was, to be honest. It was like, just a matter of like flipping a switch. And I was just thought, you know, what am I talking about, sort of thing. But yeah, there is, obviously, like you say, I'm very positive and everything. But there is them times where everyone, it's okay to sort of feel like that, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that that's what it was really, um, and then I just f- forgot about it. And then six six months later, something like that happened to me dad, and then it gives us that extra motivation to go. Yeah, you know, I'm doing this. I've came yeah. this far, and I'm going to keep going. Yeah, I love that. It's ma- magic, Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson's a legend. Like, gotta shout Jimmy oh. Nelson out. Absolute legend in Newcastle. Yeah, Absolute legend, but. It's good for you to talk about that because obviously I've never heard you talk about it and probably a lot of people never really heard you talk about it. And I remember when I was that age, I was exactly the same thing, hip flexor, my, I don't know, 14, 15, and I struggled a lot with like severs in my Achilles. Yeah, hip flexors, um, Achilles with that severs, the like, little pulling on the heel. Yeah, yeah. My so lower back. knee problem as well, was it? Knee problem, I had a lot something. of, yeah, yeah, a lot of things. Um, a lot of the, yeah, severs with the little lump on your, yeah, on your kneecap sort of thing. Loads of people like that. You always trade yeah. on that. Oscar Slatters, that's what it's called. Oscar Slatters, yeah. So yeah, I was saying, there's probably like a, a lot of young lads who are probably going through similar things and I listened to a podcast. The, you heard a high performance podcast, the Jay Humphrey. Yeah, high performance, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good podcast. But I listened to Rio Ferdinand's episode and he talked about it when he was like 13, 14 and he went from like being one of the the best players kind of his age group and he said he just lost it completely. Like he he's technically was just all over the place he kind of lost like you, like you said Bambi on ice sort of thing like yeah, just yeah. lost his technique but it's a thing when you're growing especially that like, you're a tall lad I'm a tall lad like Rio was obviously a tall lad as well like they're going to go through periods like that and it's great that when you obviously going through that phase like, first of all that you're talking out about struggling because every young lad when they're at that age probably does get frustrated and it does annoy them especially with injuries yeah. when everyone else is kind of pushing on um, it is it is tough and obviously young lads listen can understand and kind of relate to that but also the fact that the club was so good Jimmy coming around and like speaking to you about it and maybe understanding which I think a lot of coaches and maybe especially around that scholarship time are sure to kind of get rid of people where maybe they're not tall enough or maybe they're not growing into the body this yeah. and the other so the fact that they were really patient with you and kind of came and said look we see the potential sort of thing take your time with it like, and obviously you flip the switch yeah and then you were kind of back into it. So just a message to any young sort of athletes out there, not just in football, when you're at that age group, your, your body's going to be going through different things and it's going to be, you might have little niggles and injuries and stuff. But once you get through that, yeah. it's just getting through that period and trying to manage your body the best you can, which I'm a big believer in when you're young, just manage your body, see how you're feeling. If you're not feeling great, 
you might need to go and see a physio or maybe take a day off sort of thing and then after it you kind of once you grow into your body you'll feel so much better for it uh, so yeah i appreciate you talking about that as well because like i yeah, said yeah. a lot of people won't realize it and it's a good job that you didn't pack in because yeah. look at how far you, you've came now mate. <laughs> yeah i know so good I think job. obviously when you're that age as well you you know when you're mentally tough is what you are when you, you know you get older so now with you know uh, you know touch wood or like went through tough times of injuries or not playing it wouldn't just be a case of Nah, right, I'm going to ring up and say I don't want to come in. But when you're that age, that can, you know, and you just need that people around you, just, like keep on the right track and sort of thing. Yeah. So, and yeah. obviously, when I grew in my body and I wasn't just getting injured just because I was growing, then yeah, I was, mm-hmm. it was much better. Yeah. It's also like even when you are younger, like it's, e- it's, it's easier to talk about how you feel injuries and stuff when you're older because you're a bit more experienced and you know that, like, coaches are listening to you but when you're 14 and stuff you don't want to I would I remember going to training with like bandages around my, around my knees stuff like taping up my ankles and stuff because I was in pain and I didn't want to miss training didn't want to miss didn't want yeah, to say anything like cool. obviously I, my, my parents and stuff knew about it and I was ibuprofen gel and everything up but talking about it because you might be doing some damage to your body that's another yeah. thing and obviously if you want to be a professional football you want to be playing until you're in your late 30s so just yeah. talking to physios being patient with it like trying to manage your body the best you can um, and don't yeah. give up because you're a prime example of a reason why not to why <laughs> yeah. not to give up, mate. Yeah, not to. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about your progression, obviously in your castle, going from obviously when you got your scholarship. How was your how was your scholarship, and how do you feel you progressed until like because obviously you played youth cup and stuff, had a decent youth cup spell, yeah. didn't you? I think, did you score yeah, that? Yeah, 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 score that. Yeah, yeah, not mate. bad. Not um, bad. Yeah, I think like. Obviously, same way I touched on, like it was a big sort of turning point in scholarship because it was like, you know, you're going in full time, you're going in with the under 18s, and everything. You sort of want to play for the reserve team, and that seemed like massive when you're like 16, 17, which it is a very big thing. Um, but yeah, so then in my first year, Scholar had me first. So she had me you know, hip flexor problems when I was like 13, 14, but I had like a couple of seasons where 15, 16s, I just Played constantly, loved football. Obviously, ultimately, because of that, got my scholarship. And then um, my first year in pro, my first year in scholarship, sorry, obviously tore my grade three MCL. And that was, it was in a friendly, and I was not in the starting team for the Naradines. And it was like the players who weren't playing, played, we played Blackburn. And I remember just thinking, I'm, I was playing centre mid. And just think I'm gonna I'm giving a hundred like two hundred percent in this game, giving everything because I want to you know show the manager and stuff I should be playing, um, and and going for a tackle and I absolutely just like good it was a good tackle it was an honest tackle and me, me leg just flew back and I torn uh, MCL like me ligament in my knee and I was out for like four months and being 16, 17, four month injury. It was tough, but I sort of got to work on other things. I was like obviously very lean then, um, but I was like four months, so you know, doing a lot of gym, a lot of upper body work. And I saw from the past experience of being injured, didn't see it as a negative. I seen it as like it's happened. I couldn't have done anything about it. And I started to work on things in the gym and stuff to get better out. So when I was returning back to fitness, I was, you know, stronger sort of thing. and then came back and I played a couple of months and then I rolled mantle playing in a charity match. Like for, for Newcastle's 23s, 
and they're playing heaven at their pit on their pitch. And I went down a pothole on the pitch, rolled <laughs> the angle. So that was in March. So I, I missed the rest of the season. So my first year spell was very much just like you know two big injuries that weren't like anything I could really control. But I think in that period I learned to you know there's a you know it's a massive saying isn't it to control the controllables. Mm-hmm. But in that season that was what I learned from being a first year scholar was to control what I can control and mm-hmm. that's what I sort of learned from that, that no, I love, period. I love that. I love that um, I love that attitude that you kinda of have because with a young lad a lot of people yeah. would beat themselves up with injuries yeah. and things are going in all, yeah. all I know what it's like when you're young all the other lads are outside trading you are stuck in there but you kind of you took every single opportunity away from football to work on different things, whether it be in the gym, whether it be like anything, watching watching games as well is another big thing, learning yeah. from watching games, yeah. even if you're on the sidelines. Um, so that mindset yeah. obviously took you took you really far. So yeah. after that, how yeah. did things kind of... Yeah, so I think like, obviously, like I know obviously when I'm looking at more pages and stuff, and you, you know, you're big talk on like things, you like surroundings, like not even just like, your family and your friends but like what you watch and tell you who you listen to like all has a big impact isn't it mm-hmm. um so i find like because i went through them experiences when i was 13 14 with my hip flexors and my dad and everything that's why my mind was like that when i done my knee and i done my ankle i just seen everything as big positive and then in my second year scholar you know i was it, this sort of i was playing playing in loads of positions like obviously I was not like since a kid I was always like striker and then it was really I played like centre back centre mid striker I played youth cup and obviously like scored a hat trick the first round scored one in the next round one in the round after that and then sort of just enjoying football enjoying playing football with like lads who I played with since I was a kid do you know what I mean we like grew up together through the process so getting to that stage was good and then um then in that season I struggled with like I had a had a hernia. So I was taking tablets and doing like tablets off the club and doing gym exercises to strengthen me core and my groins and stuff. But then ultimately after like I stopped taking the tablets and it, it, all my exercises it still wasn't right. So I had a hernia operation but that was only a quick Compared to me being younger, yeah, it was like four, six weeks. So compared to that, it was just a, a little holiday. But um, yeah, and then I, I just enjoyed playing football and I got to the point where it was like, you know, I played in an age group like Matty and Ollie and Bales and Adam and uh, Tommy and Elias. So we had, we had a good team. Um, and, you know, when Matty was injured, Dave Watson, you know, made his captain of the team. Obviously, Matty was the captain, but when... He wasn't playing, um, and Bales was a first year pro. I was like the captain, and going from first year scholar to being like injured and not in the team, to then my second year being the captain of the teams, it was a big plus. And then obviously that got me got me professional contract. Got a two year professional contract off the back of that. Yeah, that must have been a good moment for for you and your family. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember. Uh, Going in, I was actually buzzing there. <laughs> I know. So you briefly, you briefly touched on it there. So you flipped because I know obviously you were a striker. You were always very attacking, very skillful and stuff when you were younger. Yeah. When did that flip happen, and what was the reason behind it? So, it 
it's just again like just opportunities and seeing opportunity and it was um because obviously you know Lewis Gibson he got bought by Everton when we were going into second year scholar and you know I was you know me Matty and him were like best mates and I was good that he left um, and went Evan, but I was buzzing from at the same time because you know Evan's a great club mm-hmm. and everything. But um, yeah, it was just to start of the season because he was a left-sided centre back. We didn't really have a left-sided defender, and Dave Watson just you know pulled us because of you know he just said at the first game of the season was a Man City at home, and he said like, can you just literally play? Yeah, I know. Obviously, I played striker when I was a kid and all the way up, and played centre mid as well. So obviously, because I played centre mid, he thought, well, it's not too big of a jump. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll play centre mid. Can you just slot in and play centre back? And I asked, just said, I said, like, yeah, you're the manager. If you want me to play, hundred percent. And then played there at home at Man City, and I had a good game. Like, you know, I was just yeah, I had a good game. And then played the first ten games of the season there. Played well. Enjoyed playing there. Um, it was different, so I enjoyed it. But then, when we saw sort of, um, Isaac Gambin sort of came back in and started playing left centre back because he naturally is, I moved up the pitch again. So for the rest of my under 18s, I was, I was talking about youth cup there. I played as like a number nine, well, in a front two with like Tommy and Elias and stuff. So like maybe Tommy on the wing and me and Elias up front. So played the rest of my season as a you know as a striker midfielder and then it wasn't until my first year pro so I got my professional contract and I was got two years and you know sitting well I don't even really know what position what positioning because I, I'm like I've literally played centre back centre mid and striker so got this two year professional contract that I'm buzzing about but I'm thinking when I go back in pre-season I don't really I don't really Where know what I want to play yeah and uh, I just remember Ben Dawson um calling his over and like it was I think it was like the second day of pre-season and he said um it was like for the 23s and he went uh you're not going to do pre-season with us and I was thinking oh but I didn't I don't have a clue what I think like I didn't I didn't even think oh that means I'm going up the first team on it and he says oh you're going away to England to the Euros and I was like obviously that's my first call up and I was absolutely buzzing so I you know I said oh where, where the one is the player and I'm like generally thinking probably in the front two or like in midfield and, you, and Ben said oh they'll like want you playing in the back three they're playing like five three two and they want you playing like centre back in the back three and I was like obviously like grasping that opportunity I said yeah like <laughs> you know putting goal I'm not really bothered so um, yeah well, I went away to England with the Euros and I ended up I sort of went as just like a backup centre back you know, because it was like it was my first call up and stuff. But then we did a week at St George's Park before, and then it's Paul Simpson, the manager. We done that week, and he he just pulls aside and he says, "I, I'm I'm going to start you the first game against Turkey. I like what I've seen and da da da. Yeah, I played a couple of game, played Turkey, Ukraine as a centre back, and then came back to Newcastle. And I was thinking, if I'm getting opportunities as a centre back for England. I want to sort of carry on playing there and then played, you know, 40 odd games in that 23 season, my first year, like in center, uh, at centre back. And like Ben Dawson was like, I think 
I've always seen as an advantage, and obviously people of my age as a disadvantage, like changing positions so late, because I was literally like 18 and I was had a pro contract and I'm changing completely to being a centre back. But because of that, I was like always thought in my head, oh well, if I want to accomplish playing in the Premier League, I need to learn how to play this position like as quick as I can and fast because I'm leaving it like so late because I people have been playing it since they were a kid. So like Ben Dawson would I'd he'd work with us every day after training, like obviously with all the games we're playing stuff like even if it was five, ten minutes on just body shape, like clearance. It was like every week just and then in games you yeah, are sort of noticing like oh that is actually coming on. That you know that's coming on and after every game I'd watch all my clips back that Hayden would send us and I'd go through all in possession, out possession, you know, transition ones with Ben and he'd sit down down and talk us through like good and what I need to improve on. And then yeah, I did that all season and obviously went on loan as a centre-back to Stevenage, Mansfield and Plymouth and mm-hmm. made my debut as a centre-back. So it's all sort of just yeah. resolved for Good. me seeing a Dave Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll play there first game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and not a bad change, then. not a bad change. Do you think, is it, was there a mindset change in terms of change of position? Because I'm, I'm a big believer in the mindset of like defend, goalkeepers and defenders is completely different to the strikers, <laughs> yeah. man. Completely, like I can understand why strikers love playing football and look forward to every game because being a defender and a goalkeeper, there's a lot of pressure. If you mess up, like that's to goal, most likely, isn't it? Yeah, did you notice yeah, that yeah. change in mindset? Um, yeah, I did to be fair. That's that's actually mental because I've experienced being that number nine say scoring goal, but I think in football there's a pressure and everything because I remember when I was playing the strike in the Eve Cup played Crystal Palace and it was 2-2 and we got a penalty in the 110th minute and I was like the penalty obviously being a striker and yeah. you know I took it and you know taking a penalty at 2-2 and like 10 minutes ago and extra time that's obviously a big pressure you miss that you know you, you gut and all this but as a defender you don't you don't really get them situations you yeah, let, yeah. let the strikers take the pens but there is a different mindset yeah that, that is uh, that is very true. Obviously, you've got to you've got to be a bit more. Uh, it's it's hard to explain, actually. Yeah, the bit more resilient, mindset, would you say? Or a bit more resilient. Yeah, it makes you a bit more stronger and a bit more resilient. You've got to do things properly, and you sort of routine for the game. You want everything to be right because you want the game. You want to control the game. Mm-hmm. You don't want to let the striker control you. Where when you're playing as a striker, you're not worried about centre backs. To be honest, you're just more like. Oh, I'm going to do what I do and cause them a problem. Whereas a defender, you you've got that responsibility of feeling control. Mm-hmm. So that's about always my mindset building up to a game is always trying to get my mental. You know, you've got to be physically ready for the game. But mentally, as a defender, I feel like, and as a goalkeeper as well, probably even more so. Mentally thinking, yeah, I'm ready to play this game. I'm going to be in control of the striker and the situations I'm going to be put in. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yeah. So talking about like pre-game routines and stuff, do you have like a, a set routine that you do anything specific, like watching clips, um, something you eat for breakfast, I don't know, like anything at all like that you yeah. always do? Like, yeah, I think it's not a, you know, you hear some people say, you know, superstitions is like fear. It's like almost like you need to do things because you, it's almost a sense of fear and you're not, you need mm-hmm. to do silly things. I don't have any, 
I'm not saying people who do, you know, like last one out the changing room or oh, I wore these pair of trainers into the game and I scored, so I'm going to wear the same pair. Like, I don't have yeah. anything. I don't. I wouldn't say that's silly if people think that's what they need to do to be physically and mentally ready for a game, then crack on with whatever mm-hmm. you need to do. But for me personally, I don't have anything out, you know, out of the ordinary in terms of that. But I do have a, you know, for a three o'clock kickoff, I'll always have the same breakfast. Like porridge and banana honey for lunch. I'll always have toast, egg, and beans. Like it's not really like a superstition, but it's just my preparation to make me feel good at three o'clock. That's what I like to do. Um, like always going for like a ten minute walk in the morning before a game. Like just clear my mind. Just not some like lying around all day and doing me stretching. Like all my sort of routine, I do. Yeah, I always stick stick the same. Yeah, I'm a big believer in routine. But when you mentioned about like the kind of people having right set superstitions because it's kind of like this, the scared of the need to do this sort so if the game goes well sort of thing. I'm a big believer yeah. in like you're in control of what it's actually going to happen. So it doesn't matter if yeah. you like. I don't know, like you don't know, you try to tie your shoelace and your shoelace snap, and you're like, oh no, right, that's the game's gonna be ruined now. Like, I'm not gonna be able to. Yeah, do that. Like, you've yeah, got to be yeah. able to trust in your own ability. And obviously, you've got you can tell you've got that belief in yourself. But having that routine, like things like your breakfast and your stretching, they're things that should never like there shouldn't be anything that kind of affects that. Mm-hmm. But things that you can sometimes not control, like I don't know, like with your walk, for example, it might be an absolutely horrendous day outside. You maybe right, I'm not gonna really go for a walk today. But like little things, yeah. if, if don't if things don't go completely the plan, you still know that you're gonna be able to perform. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you you sit there for like an easy example. If it was like lashing down with rain, I'd go right. A ten minute walk's not gonna make us play good or bad. Like it's yeah. just something that you know them little minute percentages. But it's like yeah, like you say. Me not doing a walk, something makes me bad, something makes me good. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I think I have a routine, but like you say, when things differ from that or anything like that, then yeah, yeah it's not really you've got, to, you've got to have the belief in your ability that you, you're capable of doing stuff no matter the circumstances, no matter the weather, no matter like how you feel yeah. on the day, whatever it is, you've got to go out and there and perform, which is like your job to do it like once or twice a week. So, you've, yeah. got, to, you've got to do it. 100%. So, moving on to your obviously back to your football career when was your first taste of time with the first team at Newcastle when was the first training session first opportunity can you remember um, I think it was when I uh, came back from England from the Euros obviously I'd done were away for like three and a half weeks and that was like a big bulk of you know pre-season came back and trained with the first team um, and it was Rafa was the manager at the time um, and yeah it was like it was like couple of days after I came back so obviously that was great because obviously I'd come back from playing from England and I was full of like confidence and it was a good opportunity to train with them and then that end of that season I got on the bench in the Premier League um, against Fulham so I was like my first time being involved um, it was the last game of the season you know with the 1-4-0 I didn't come on but it was just great I was only like 18 or 19 so it was a great experience being on the bench and so like it was a little like a playing centre back that whole season and getting on the bench as a centre back. It was like a taste of you know Newcastle, you know, rate me in that position. So um so that was my first taste of being involved with the first team, being on the bench against Fulham. 
Yeah. So from then, did you go on loan that season afterwards? You go because yeah. Stevenage went to first. Stevenage first, yeah. What was that oh, like? First, yeah. first taste of senior, kind of like obviously senior debut. Yeah. So obviously, I got that taste of being on the bench in the Premier League, and you know I wanted more of that. But to get more of that, I needed needed to go on loan, and, you know, learn how to. I learned a lot, you know, as, when there as a defender. And it was actually good because, you know, well, I'm not good at the time, but when I look back on it now in terms of my development, because we were, you know, struggling at the bottom, we we never really had the ball much. So I was always defending. And it sounds stupid, but because I played high up the pitch, one of my, my, my strongest points, you know, as a defender was stepping out from the back, being comfortable on the ball. And going to Stevenage, I learned the other side of the game. I learned... Like there's some streetwise strikers, there's long ball like target men, there's quick ones that running behind you. So I learned because we were struggling at the bottom, I learned how to deal with the pressure of not having the ball and constant defending. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot from my time at Stevenage and you know, my first taste of being in the men's dressing room and and like you say, like obviously there's big games when you're higher up the table, but at the other end of the table where I remember playing, um, it was at obviously Stevenage, it was at home, and we played Morecambe, and we were second bottom, and they were bottom, and it was like two points difference. So if they beat us, they we would have went bottom. And that week lead up to the game was probably the most. Even I played for England, being on the bench in the Premier League, but that week up to that game was like the most pressure I'd ever felt for a game. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was like this job we had the, you know, the stadium was packed, more can bring loads of fans. The the atmosphere was just in, uh, incredible because it was wasn't a top end of the table clash, it was second bottom and bottom and we won one nil. And yeah, that, that feeling was you know, um, it was it was amazing after the game, even though we still then, you know, it was it you know, we enjoyed that night, but then it was like, look, we've got a we're still not in a great position when you keep going. We're not going to get carried away because we'll be bottom of the table. But I've yeah, learned a lot of senior yeah. Yeah, you get that. That's a good kind of first taste of, of senior football, especially with the amount of pressure. And it, it'll probably make the experience of going to a, a a better team or a team who's higher up in the table when there is a little bit less yeah. pressure. It'll make that seem a lot easier. So having that taste, like a lot of people, maybe like young lads and stuff, are probably don't want to go on loan to a team that's struggling. And they don't want that no. to be the first day because some people it might be a lot t- too much pressure for some people, like yeah, because it's again it's people's livelihoods. There's a lot more pressure on people's career in terms of like fi- the financial benefits as well. Some people are actually fighting for mortgages for the bonuses that was paid oh. the mortgages and family stuff. That's that sort of lesson has obviously stood you really really well. And then you obviously you mentioned about the pressure for that one game. Do you do you get quite nervous for game? Like first of all, when you were back there at Stevenage, did you get really nervous for quite a lot of games? And how has that kind of developed now to the point where you're at the peak? Do you still get nervous now? Um, I think yeah, at Stevenage it was out of me three loan spells. Probably Stevenage was the most because like like you say, my first loan we weren't you know doing well, um, and like you touched on there, like a, a lot of times in conversations, whether it was yeah. Uh, in pre-match talk from the captain or the manager or like afterwards when we were doing the game, a lot of it was about, look, we get relegated and go to National League. 
like wage cuts and it was like mortgages. Like I've got family, like got kids. When you like, it was awful. That's and I was thinking, well, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids or like anything to worry about that. But that it made me realize like, well, I want to give a hundred percent for him because he's fighting for that. So I know I'm not, but he's on my team and yeah, yeah, I've got to know these players and stuff. So it was um. It was sort of like that, so I think pressure-wise, probably Stevens the more so. But then as I've got older, I think you know I read a lot of a lot of things. I'm reading Tyson Fury's book at the minute, and a lot of these top athletes like they seem to say they get the confidence from the training and like you know like training camps and the training sessions and build-up and preparation. So it's almost like you know you've done everything possible to be right for this game or whatever it is and if you have a good game then brilliant but then if you don't you can't be too hard on yourself because like these things happen you can't have a good game every game mm-hmm. and if you don't have a good game it's not because you didn't give 100% or if it is because of them reasons then you need to look yourself in the mirror but if it's because you just didn't have a good game striker was like unbelievable and unplayable then you just got to hold your hands up and just sort of review it and move on mm-hmm. No, so that. in terms of nervous, I think I'm probably I'm I'm all right. I think obviously I do get nervous. It's good to get nervous and like be ready because that that tells you you're ready for the game, but not overly nervous. No. No, I love that. I love that you've got it. I like how you're kind of investing yourself in terms of reading as well, which I think. I remember when I, when when I was kind of young, I started reading when I was in football and listening to podcasts, and people would kind of be like. He's listened to podcasts. I think you would kind of you would kind of look and yeah, stand yeah, out no. quite a bit. But I like how yeah. I think it's becoming a lot more acceptable with podcasts and people talking about it and stuff. So it's great yeah. to see you're investing in your own knowledge and in, in, in looking at these top athletes and listening to podcasts, reading books on some of these top athletes and understand the process yeah. that they go through to get to the point. Which is like one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. Like I want to look into your mindset. I think a lot of young athletes, young footballers, would be very interested in terms of obviously your progression and kind of where, where you're at now in terms of preparation yeah. mentality for, for games. Yeah, I think obviously like, like you say, it's just sort of, you can always learn, can't you, like in ev- everything. So whether it's like being a group listening to podcast. Um, so yeah, so I just think like learn how other people have done it. You don't have to do exactly what they've done, but if you just take a little bit from what they've done and then a little bit from someone else and mm-hmm. sort of always listening, I think that's, I think, you know, you can develop that with age. And I feel like because I transitioned as a centre-back quite late in, you know, my career, I've always, even now, I'm still, whether it's like the players in the team, like all the players, I'm just using their experience to my advantage. So, mm-hmm. like, I, so I'm obviously only 21, but, you know, the centre-backs in the team who are 30, they've played nine more years than me, so I never think I know more than them. Mm-hmm. so I'm always asking them questions and taking little bits of information from them and from them and the coaches and you know everything so I think like at Newcastle like like Jamal Asells like being a captain like my position I always ask him questions I'm never like afraid to ask him any any questions that on the field off the field what he thinks I should do because he's much more experienced than me mm-hmm. and ultimately like to be a captain of Newcastle then He's, yeah. you know, he's a good leader and I can learn from him as best I can. 
Mm-hmm. I love that, especially when you've been a young lad. Sometimes when when you're a young lad, you're doing really well. You've got your professional contract. You've made your first team debut. You're doing like really well with things. It's probably really easy to let the ego get the better of you in terms of thinking you know everything. But what you're talking about there is being open-minded and actually still wanting to learn from people, like experienced people. Even if you're going from Newcastle United and going on loan to like National League, even like National League North or lower, but like but there's been players there who have been playing ten years more than you. Just because you're at Newcastle United, you're in the yeah. Premier League level, still learn from their experience. There's a lot of things that people can take from even dropping down leagues and talking to experienced people and just asking questions as well. They, I'm sure they'll probably enjoy it, like getting asked questions about, oh, what do you think of this stuff? Like showing that that enthusiasm and that passion for something and wanting to learn will help you so much. And like I said, you, you'll learn a lot from it, from asking those questions. Yeah, I think like you say, like it's not even just people asking questions or, you know, reading books of these top athletes who are much higher than you. It's like everyone you can learn, whether they're, like you say, like playing a few leagues below you or like you don't play football, they play rugby or athletics. Like you can, mm-hmm. you, it's more open than that. Like it's not just so narrow, mm-hmm. like minded, just all right. I just need to listen to like people who are higher than us. It's like everyone, everyone's got an important saying if they want to help you and give you advice, then mm-hmm. you need to take the time to time yeah. to listen, basically. Yeah, there's definitely transfers, not all, not just from like different sports like football to rugby, but like from business to football, like that mindset, yeah. that success mindset. There's a lot of things like people in business prepare for things in similar ways that footballers prepare for games, and there's also like a process yeah. to get into certain points. So you can take things. Don't just because you're a footballer, you don't have to just study football and just study. A podcast that a footballer's on study like a businessman story study i don't know like elon musk or somebody who's very successful look into mm-hmm. their journey uh, and stuff i think yeah i think it's like just known isn't that, that that successful people like if you say it's in business or you know you're a pt or you play football like the mindset still is the same they have a lot of similarities obviously differences in how they might do things because they do completely different things but the core values are the are the same. hmm Yeah. I was gonna say, so we'll jump into your debut, obviously you've made your debut for Newcastle. What was that moment like yeah. and what was the experience like around it, like weeks leading up to it? Did you kind of see it coming or was it something that was kind of thrown on your last minute? What was it what was the whole experience like? Uh, it was obviously it was mental because I've been at seniors being at Mansfield and thinking that I'm just gonna end the season with Mansfield. And then obviously COVID happened and came back and it was just running that field and doing gym in the garden. And then obviously Premier League returned and it was like, the season's going to carry on and they're going to play the last nine games. Um, and then, yeah, so then I just got called and said, the one you come in and train with the first team for the last, like, I think it was seven, seven weeks to play, seven or eight weeks to play the last nine games. And... Um, and I remember just going in and just training. And at that time, it was, you know, normally in the normal season, you can only play for two clubs. So you can only play, you know, I played for Stevens, played for Mansfield. I wouldn't be able to play, wouldn't be allowed to be involved in any games. But, um, like, FIFA and the FA changed the rule to a player can play for three clubs if there is an ex- exceptional circumstance. So, obviously, still then, though, like, I was going in just yeah, ready just to train and just give me everything in training, knowing that I can't really play. Um, but yeah, but then it's obviously 
you know, to be able to play um, and get the, you know, the green light from their thing because we had so many injuries in defence. And then I was on the bench the second last game of the season against Brighton. And then obviously Liverpool came on for Danny Rose for like the last 25 against Liverpool. That was just like marking like Mo Salah, marking like Marnie from a corner. And then it was a bit, uh, it was a bit surreal, but it was almost like, this is every, like everything I've done since like minute one to like now, like now is everything I've done is for this right now. So mm-hmm. sort of soaked all in, but it wasn't really till the night time where I was like, realised that like, oh, that is everything, you know, like everything you've done, like going to training early, you know, doing everything right. That was, uh, that was for that moment. Yeah, it would have been a little bit kind of, it probably didn't really hit you as much because obviously it's, it was COVID time and obviously there's still no fans at the minute, but there was no fans at the time. Yeah. It probably wasn't that like, that like, sat, like that, that feeling of coming on the pitch with loads of fans cheering your name and like your name getting announced and all that sort of stuff. So probably what, that's probably why it didn't hit you till that later on when maybe like yeah. you get back home, your family and your mates are messaging you and it's like blown up on social media blown and so all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's when it's like, well, probably this is everything that I've kind of worked for. Yeah. Probably, I think you're right, because if I was, you know, walking down the steps from the dugout and going to go on the pitch and there was 50,000 Jordies there, like, obviously, like, a young lad making his debut would have been all buzzing for me and, you know, like, cheering us on. It probably would have hit us from, yeah. from that moment. Not like later that night, it probably would have hit us that moment. I'm making friends here. Yeah, I've got to do all right. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. But obviously, with no fans and it was probably a bit later on, realising what, what I've done. Yeah, it's still a good achievement, mate, making your debut. How old are you, yeah. how old are you at the time? Uh, 20. 20. Yeah, I'm still 21. Mate. I'm trying to work out. <laughs> <laughs> 20. Look at how old you are, mate. That's, that's class. So, just to kind of wrap up towards the end, what? where do you kind of envision your career going in football? Where do you Where do you kind of think, how far can you go? I want to probably put it as that. Um, Definitely from... Well, I would touch on like the very, very start. When I was eight years old, I said I wanted to be captain for Newcastle, play for England. So that's never changed. That was being a long-term goal since I was a kid. When I would say to my dad, I want to, you know, play in the Premier League. So that is where I want to want to end up. So I'm, yeah, doing everything I can to get there. Yeah. Just a, just a quick thing. So obviously, when you're a young lad, all you think about was football. The point that we are right now, you're still a young lad in terms of football context. Yeah. Like, so you obviously only really focus on football. Have you ever thought about life after football, or what happens if there's a long term, like, there's a really serious injury? Do you ever think like that? Obviously, at the minute you're probably in the mindset of focusing on football because you are young. But have you ever thought about life after football? Because obviously, like coming from my experience, I never f- see myself kind of stepping out of football at such a young age. Before. Just to kind yeah. of put that into context, have you ever thought about what if or anything like that? Or not, not really too much. Um, not really too. Obviously, I'm, you know, in terms of like investing in my pension and everything. You know, I'm work with, you know, um, Charles Claire, and she's great. She like knows. Um, people in my girlfriend's family and stuff um, and she helps with that side of things just making sure I'm secure when I finish football but in terms of what I would like to do next after football um, haven't really yeah, yeah you're still young mate yeah I haven't really uh, thought about after football um, I think to be a footballer 
it's almost like obviously you know when you're a kid and you're 14 15 you've got to you know do well in school I'm not saying to slack off in that department because you know um I did quite well in school but to always like concentrate and do well in school but I think to be the top top you've like almost got to put every you know people say like you know you put some eggs in each basket and you don't want to go all in and leave yourself short but for me like if you want to be that one percent Premier League player like all eggs just need to be in that basket you can't be saving five percent because uh well if it doesn't happen I've got this plan B like it was it was funny because my dad would say it was and he's he sort of said it when I was a kid and he's now he always says it to me now and so does my man. And so if I sort of take credit for it now, even though they told me, but they, they say to me, my plan B is to make sure that plan A works. <laughs> I, and I always find it funny. I always laugh at it because people say, you know, you need a plan B and all this. And there's people that can say, oh, like, you, you might not be a footballer, like, you need something to fall back on. But if you think start thinking of stuff to fall back on, then you probably will end up falling back on it and mm-hmm. doing it. So... Yeah, plan B's mate. Sure, plan A works. I love that one. I love that, mate. I like that. But yeah, obviously you got that, that one for you. There's a lot of things that you've took from your dad. We, we didn't even mention it before, but I know that the kind of build-up to you getting your debut, your dad always had that belief that you were still going to make your debut. Yeah. Even though it was like the COVID, everything going on, you're like, yeah. you make your debut. I love that. So, like, it, it was mental. And I would say to my mum, like, what is he on about? Because, obviously, the rule was, I, I touched on, you only play for two clubs and I'd, you know, I played for my two clubs, and I could only play in the like in the last nine games if there was like an exceptional circumstance. And we had like five centre backs fit, so like an exceptional circumstance would have literally just been just injuries, really, or like if loads of them got COVID. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, so I was like, my dad was saying like, you you'll, you're playing like work hard and train, make sure you keep doing the right things, and you'll play the make your debut this year. And I was like, like dad, like I've played for two clubs, like. At the minute, I can't play. He's like, just keep like keep going, keep doing. It, you will play. And then when I got the ex, you know those those injuries, and I'm like looking at my dad, thinking. And then when I got me the, you know the FA said Newcastle applied and said yes. And then obviously when I came on against Liverpool, and then I did make a Premier League debut. That was something I, I personally I'm, I never thought I would not because I didn't think I was capable of, but just because. Like you say, because of COVID and because mm-hmm. of the rules, and I played for two clubs. But yeah, my dad always, always said, as soon as I went back to training, you will. And then I think if you say something enough, it just seems to happen. Yeah, no, mate, I love that. I'm a big believer in that sort of thing. If you kind of keep yeah. saying things out loud, like I heard something the other day saying, saying something out loud is four times stronger than actually just thinking it in your head. Just thinking it, yeah. Just thinking it. So actually yeah. saying it out loud or writing stuff on paper, like, I'm going to be a Premier League footballer or I'm going to be a successful bit, I'm going to make a million yeah. pounds, whatever it is, like actually saying it. And like your dad's done the same sort of thing there. Like even if you, yeah, like, even so if it like, the chances are like literally one, two percent, keep saying it in that one, two percent, it'll just slowly increase into three or four percent, maybe five or six yeah, and down the line, and other things will happen. Definitely. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. that was, that was, that was crazy, that. But just quickly, yeah. What you mentioned before about obviously having that all or nothing mindset, just wanted to add this bit in. Obviously, if you're a young lad and you said that you kind of stuck in at school and you've done quite well, I think any young lad listening who does want to be a professional athlete, whether it's football or be successful in anything, 
sticking in school and still trying to get good grades that'll carry over so much into whatever you oh. go into even if you never use them grades like i haven't I haven't actually used my gcse's or anything obviously i've done my personal training stuff but there's a lot of things that i've learned from like putting the extra hours in study and getting like obviously build up in the process of obviously getting good results and, and investing in your own knowledge that'll transfer into your football and stuff like that so don't yeah. suck it off if you have that mindset with anything with sacking the stuff stuff off like even if it's like cleaning your boots after training, cleaning your clothes after training, if you slack off on that, that'll end up carrying over into your football. So just for any anybody who's who's listening, just sticking in it. Like it can be, it, it, it's it's there if you do really need it. But if you've got that all or nothing mindset, you won't need it. Like you obviously said, your plan yeah, yeah. your plan B is to make sure plan A works, which I love that saying. <laughs> I love that one. But yeah, just whatever, everything you do in life, do it properly. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, you said it all there to be fair. You can't just, things like you can't just flip a switch and be like, oh, some things I give 100% and some things that I'm just, you can't just keep doing that. It's like almost like everything you do is spot on and making sure you're doing everything right. Yeah, they all have carryovers, mate. But we'll wrap up with the three questions because before the podcast, we were, you were stressing about these three <laughs> questions. So the first one, hopefully you remember what you were yeah. going to say. So the first one, three questions I ask everybody to wrap up the podcast. Three people you'd like to invite round for dinner or go for a coffee with, past or present. Right. So um, the three would be Tom Hanks, for one, um, just because my favourite movie of all time, Forrest Gump. I, I've watched, I don't know how many times I've watched it, but it's just, it's just unbelievable. And then it's actually because it's my girlfriend's favourite movie, Sully. And that's obviously Tom Hanks as well. And I've watched that a couple of times because she always likes watching it. And um, so, yeah, because obviously he's both the actor. I'd probably just like to sit down with him and talk about his movies. Um, and then Michael McIntyre one, probably just because he can provide the entertainment because me and him might be boring talking about his movies. <laughs> so Michael McIntyre would be one. Um, and just because my mum loves, loves him. I think my mum would love to be a third person, but I'm not going to invite her. <laughs> um, my third person would probably be have you ever watched Prison Break? yes I finished them I'd probably want to invite Michael Schofield over <laughs> just because like I just when I watch it I've I watched the first season a couple of times just because I just love the way he just obviously I know he's acting and he's it's not real but like I just love the way he just thinks and stuff I love mm. to just talk to him about Prison Break yeah that'd be class he's, he's got a relentless <laughs> mindset to be fair he is relentless yeah relentless. yeah no yeah I've uh I've listened to a few of the things on YouTube and stuff, and I didn't know he'd, he'd be like that because he's like, mm-hmm. I just didn't expect it to be honest. Yeah, it's crazy. To be fair, I don't know, I'll have to look, look into them. But next question three people you'd want to train with, so it could be obviously football related, but because I'm doing a fit, bit of fitness stuff, if you want to train in the gym with someone, it could be in the in the gym as well. So football <laughs> yeah. or gym related, anybody you want. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, when COVID's all over, I'm going to have to stick you there. When you get your new house or your girlfriend, right. <laughs> come over and do a gym session in your oh, garage. Um, so, yeah, you number one. Um, number two, probably football. I'm, I'm probably not going to say a good attacking player because I won't want to train him because he might make us look a bit silly. You know if he's on the other team. Um, so, if I could put one attacking player to be on my team so I don't have to play against him, I can watch him probably say... Um, I'd probably say Messi because I just think he will do stuff in training where you just think 
guy is just the best I've ever seen. I see like obviously like the Newcastle players like when I'm training with like the first team and the quality that some of their the players have got is unbelievable. And Messi's like the greatest of all time. So I'd love to see what he does in training and what he's like. Um and then thirdly, I'd probably say I'd probably say Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Uh Van well, I'm gonna say Van Dyke or Sergio Ramos because they're the two players who like I watch clips of before games to sort of just get in the just frame and just playing, um, just because they're just like winners, the leaders, like obviously my position. So I'd love to them two are joined Van Dijk and Ramos. I love that. I love that. And then last question: one thing you'd say to yourself five years ago? Um, probably. <laughs> I'd probably say just go back to centre back now, set away until the 18. <laughs> Stop playing it when you when I was 15, 16, five years ago. No, I'd say um I'd just say yeah, just all the all the hard work will pay off, so just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Don't need don't need to stress over little things. Just enjoy what you're doing. Love that, mate. Definitely. Lovely way, lovely way to route the podcast. I'll um yeah. I'll tag you out if anybody who doesn't already follow you already because you've got a, got a kind of few followers you've got a little blue tick as well which is nice. <laughs> I'll tag I'll put you I don't know if you're on Twitter as well I'm not on Twitter but Twitter Instagram and stuff for everybody who wants to check you out and stuff on social media. But Cal mate, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. I know. Thanks for having us, mate. No worries, mate. So thank you very much if you stayed and listened to the full episode. And again, thank you, Cal, for coming on. Very interesting to hear, obviously, his upbringing, the early habits and good things that he learned from an early age, from the hard work, from the extra hours of training and also the the things that he's had to overcome both physically and mentally with, obviously, his injuries as a young lad and also the, the sad news about his dad with cancer and also getting through that and how his dad's mindset is obviously definitely carried over into Kale's attitude towards his career. So just to wrap up the podcast, as I always say, if you can share the episode with a friend, share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, whatever, any shares are massively appreciated. Just again, you can copy the link, send it over to a friend. If you do share it on Instagram or any other social media, make sure you tag myself in the story, in the post, whatever it is, and then also the guest and give us a little bit of feedback. Just drop me a message and I'm happy to take any positive or negative kind of feedback and always looking to improve the podcast. And if there is any guests at all that you would like to see on the podcast or even a topic that you would like me to discuss or a cover in the solar episode drop me a message and i'll happily reply and like i said i'm always free if anybody wants to message me about anything else so thank you again for listening to this full episode this has been process